everybody's talking about the fact that they're having problems hiring people. We know that what you want to do is, is to learn how to do it better. And of course, we back up a little bit because we understand that successful recruiting is also connected to engagement and retention of the people that you have. And that all of it begins at the intersection of your own brand and your own culture. And then your approach to the work that you're going to do and your practice strategy. So if you want to develop an effective talent acquisition campaign, you really need to think about developing an effective marketing campaign. Welcome everyone to Section Cut, our first ever conference dedicated to the stories of leaders who are innovating on practice operations. Let's get this party started. So next up, we have Marjan Pearson and Linda Wallach from Talentstar, who are going to be talking about marketing for talent. Earlier, we saw an incredible talk with Marjan and George about the future of practice operations. Marjan is a fountain of knowledge. She's an industry pioneer. She has the ability to ask the questions that should be on the strategic agenda for every design firm. She focuses on strategies for organizational success and resilience, and she builds on her experiences in design firm management and independent practice. Linda Wallach is a principal at Talentstar and the founder of Toco Creative. She is known for her big picture thinking and creative savvy, characteristics that allow her to add value when collaborating with clients and co-creators. Linda is a designer of interior spaces and an expert in communications and marketing to align and advance business initiatives. Please join me in welcoming Marjan and Linda to the stage. Hello. 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 Welcome. So I'm going to let Linda and Marjan take it away. I'm going to step aside for a moment. Can't wait to see this presentation. It's going to be awesome. Well, we're excited to do it too. And I'm delighted that Linda has joined me because she brings a really fresh view to everything that we do collaboratively. And I think that her approach, which you'll see more of through this presentation is something that will help a lot of firms. So glad to be here. Thanks to Monograph. Everybody's talking about the fact that they're having problems hiring people. We know that what you want to do is, is to learn how to do it better. And of course, we back up a little bit because we understand that successful recruiting is also connected to engagement and retention of the people that you have. And that all of it begins at the intersection of your own brand and your own culture, and then your approach to the work that you're going to do and your practice strategy. So if you want to develop an effective talent acquisition campaign, you really need to think about developing an effective marketing campaign. I'm going to turn it over to Linda. So we'll be talking about brand building, but in order to get the talent we need to step back a little bit. So we're going to talk through these slides rather quickly because we actually want to hear some of the challenges that you all are facing and answer some of the questions. The, the task of hiring is actually a larger task and it involves so many different types of people. So just to make sure that we're covering the needs of the questions that people have. So we want to focus on looking inward at the very beginning of this because attracting people is the way that you talk about yourself too. It's really important to have a good brand and to have a good strategy at the very beginning of all this 
so that you know the exact way that you want to grow. So at the beginning, you want to know, what do you know about you? You have to ask yourself these questions. We're focusing on attraction. It's kind of a dating service. And if you're focused on execution, you don't have the opportunity to create the most robust team. Finding talent isn't a transaction. It's not just filling in a blank. In a firm, it should be actually selecting the people that have the same perspective as you who think the way that you do. And part of this comes from the way that you think of yourselves and what you want to be known for and how you actually practice. I always tell people when, whether they're talking about a new opportunity or entering into a partnership, whatever it may be, there are two things that are most important. One is share core values and the other is share a common approach to the work that you do. There are Lots of differences across different kinds of firms, different kinds of businesses. And generally, if you can find the commonalities that you share and have discussions about those things, you'll be more successful in finding the right place for a lasting relationship. And it's all about building relationships. This is an interesting diagram because it shows a transition that has happened in the profession over the last many years. You know, in many ways, architecture began as a kind of a trade or craft with a guild and the whole, you know, education and learning and experience progression. And what's happened is that, you know, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, craft was really at the center of what architects did. And it continues to this day to be one of the most important things. I mean, it's really wonderful to look out into the world and see the firm's that are really focused on the craft and the materiality and the excellence of the work that they're doing. What happened in the 70s, 80s, and so we're now talking 30, 40 years ago, is the rise of expertise. When it became permissible, actually, when it was no longer unethical to engage in marketing, firms realized that they needed to find a method of differentiating themselves. And one of the ways of doing that was with the expertise that they developed, particularly in building types or geographic locations. And so there was a further development of the craft combined with expertise. And then in the 90s, what happened is that there were firms that recognized that in order to be a market leader, they really needed to develop strategies about the work that they were doing with certain clients. And of course, the prime example is Gensler with Workplace, where they literally knew more about designing workplaces than their clients did because their clients didn't do it. Similarly, university medical centers, sports, downtown baseball stadiums, there were all of these different areas where strategy became a differentiator and there was a rise of firms that were market leaders. Now it's really about issues in our communities, in our cities, in our world, you know, all of the different issues that are part of, of Jedi, justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, and how the not only the owners and the users, but the other stakeholders for a project react to the work that you're doing. So the transition has gone from execution to integration and actually strategy about integration, and now a level of advocacy that is important within your practice. So what kinds of people do you need to bring into the firm in order to either improve the areas in which you practice 
or to move into new areas where you may not have the strength that you have today. And one other component to this is that it may be that the people that you want to bring in are not necessarily going to follow a traditional career path. And we'll talk about that in just a second. One of the reasons why we view this as an overlap with marketing is that what you have to do to attract talent today is more than a campaign. It's actually a way of living. It's the ecosystem of everything that you do. So we're going to be talking about the employee experience today, but it totally ties into the rest of the story. Just like this morning with Rios, their core values are front and center on how they analyze the successes of their projects, how they view their designs. This is the same way. This is the same thing. And one of the reasons why we are emphasizing looking within first before you look for people is that there has been a huge change. It's not just because of the things that we've been going through for the last year and a half. It's because technology has taken, has stepped up so quickly as well as the new job opportunities that are out there for architects is so broad that really being focused on the values that you're offering to someone looking for a position are really important to define. And I know, Marjan, you can talk a little bit more about the changes that you've seen in the last five years of the transition of what people are looking for. Oh, absolutely. I, I would lay odds that we'd get some great comments from the audience too, because every firm has recognized that it seems as though every decade there's a new emphasis, but I think that even within the last five years, there's been more since the recovery from the recession and then the next shift. And we see firms, first of all, we see a lot of smaller firms that are actually becoming very successful and competing against significantly larger firms. And they're doing that because of the way they have created, built, constructed the talent and leadership frameworks within their firms so that there's dispersed decision making. You know, again, Jessamine and Andy this morning in the Rios presentation gave us such wonderful examples about how firms are doing things differently and the idea of the transparency of information, which is something that people coming into the profession want. And in addition, the nature of the people who are coming into the profession, the younger generations, is that they often have friends who are working in other kinds of industries, and particularly the technology business, which makes them a little bit more impatient for things to move faster including career opportunities. I wanted to step back a little bit just to talk a little bit about what transitions have happened in our industry holistically, not just in architecture and design, but in engineering and construction firms. The rise of technology has really made big changes, including this session happening right now with Monograph. These are people that used to be in the architecture arena, you know, went to school for that and have now expanded into altering the processes of how we all work. If you look at this picture of an older architecture firm, which you could actually see an Excel document right on top of this, each of these cells are doing a specific task and so some people are working together. That's the plus sign on an Excel document. And so if you're looking at the changes 
the rapid changes that are happening in technology, it's going to be changing everything that we do radically. In 2017, it was predicted that 49% of the activities that are predictable, repeatable, and structured are all going to be done by AI. And that's already happened. That was 2017. Just imagine how many more tasks that are being done by computers. So what do we need humans for? Design imagination, inspiration, creativity, empathy. Those are all the things that we need in the future are going to be the most important things in hiring. So when you're looking at how you want to be as a firm, also you have to think about how our industry is changing. Real estate is one of the slowest changing industries for welcoming technology, but even that is undergoing a radical change with data analysis and really analyzing everything in a building from what people do after they leave work, which is actually kind of creepy, but it's true. So all of those things are changing the world that we're in today. And so the idea that we need to go find an architect of a five to eight year experience can has to be questioned depending on what type of firm you are. So we want to look at the influences that influence our success. So we want to look at that practice paradigm, the ideals of your firm, and really the value of environment, social governance. That's really affecting how clients analyze firms, how businesses value your firm financially, and it also affects your people that work for you. Because if your ideals don't align with them, more and more people aren't going to want to work at that firm. They want to be with people that have the same ideals and goals that they do. And as Marjan talked about, people are asking more questions when they are going to interviews, they're researching because the information is now out there. Even five years ago, it wasn't out there that much. And one, one little piece of information in Colorado now, there's a new state bill, a law that an employer needs to post salary information in the job posting. So it's the intent is transparency and equity, but it's a change in the way we as employers would present information that is going to have an effect on the conversations that you're having with potential candidates. And a lot of times if our clients aren't thinking this way, they hear this information and it's a little bit intimidating. It's like, well, what do we do next? You know, what are we supposed to do? We have this body that we need to complete this project. You know, so what are we really thinking of? What, how do we move forward from this? And, you know, the question is, what process do you want to go through to develop a relationship? What kind of magnet do you want to be for attracting the people? And we also need to face the fact that there are a lot of alternatives for the architecture, interior architecture, landscape architecture, environmental design graduates. Architizer just had an article about seven alternative careers, and our response was only seven. And I think that those of you who were participating in this, if we did a poll, I think we'd probably find a large percentage of people who were not in a traditional firm doing traditional work. And that's going to be more and more the case. So what does that tell us about the nature of our firms and what we do and how we do it? Cheryl Sandberg from Facebook wrote that ladders are limiting. And what we're seeing is firms that are finding 
rock stars and they aren't necessarily relying on the years of experience to determine what that person's potential is going to be within the firm. And particularly if it's in a new area of practice, such as digital technology, you know, you can't wait seven to eight years for somebody to grow into a role like that because there are significant roles in technology firms that are doing work in architecture and design. So it's important to realize, as we said in our session earlier, that expectations are based on past performance. The talent business is a future potential business. And looking at how you may need to change, also how you can take advantage of the resources with your own firm in terms of generations and expertise. And Linda will talk about that too. Well, one of the questions to answer is, are you recruiting for purpose and permanence or rapid impermanence (laughs) with people that are in alignment with your thinking? A lot of the times when we talk to people, there's this, we're looking for somebody with five to eight years of experience. And recently, I think it's Marjan could say this with more certainty than me, but it seems like there's something that has hindered the skills of the five to eight because eight years ago, no one was hiring. So you really need to rethink and redeploy talent in a new way and develop, as Marjan says, a brain trust. So in discussing this, we came up, Marjan was talking about a borderless puzzle because that's what this is. We're not aligning with job titles and just your standard traditional way of talking about people. We were talking about how they're contributing and what you need from different people. And it's a really interesting way to look at how people are kind of slotted depending on their age. And really looking at this as how people can contribute different things at different stages of their career. You might be hiring someone super young for something that traditionally someone who has 25 years experience might have done. So you really need to look at the people a lot more than you're looking at the exact things that they've done before this moment that you're looking for them. So I mapped out this age mapping just to kind of give a visual of all the different generations that are represented in an office. And really, if you begin to think about it in the people in your firm, what are their biggest strengths? And what can you get from each of them in new ways versus looking at people, like I said, in the traditional way? When you're beginning to look at a borderless puzzle, you're also looking beyond your zip code. We need to begin to think in the cloud because people aren't working in the city where their firm headquarters is. So what does that mean, too, for for this kind of analysis and skill building? And then looking at the people that you currently have, how can they be used in the best way? How can you rethink upskill? That is a huge um, thought, especially on the technology side of things, because there is a shortage of the right type of person. So let's look at who you have now and how you can develop different skills that since they have the knowledge of what your organization is like and what your organization values, what can you do to really supercharge, as it says, your current team And when you're really looking at the different people and who you feel best fits you, what are the components or what are the characteristics about them that really stand out to you? So you can make a model of the person you're looking for. In Marjan's last session, she had a a chart, which was a job description made up of bubbles of the different 
skills that this one particular person needed to have. And so you're not looking at a standard resume, you're looking at what are the things that you feel will help you grow the best. I think taking care of taking care of your current team is the most one of the most important things because they have been by your side maybe from the beginning or maybe they're new but they really help enhance some of the services that you offer. But employees are your greatest champions. So if you're looking for people to grow your firm, you should be using the people that work you work with to help you find the people that they're going to be working with. You know, the idea that only a certain number of people meet with one or two people and you have a series of interviews and it's just it takes a different it's a different process. Rethink how all of that is done as well. Linda, we're getting a number of we're getting a number of questions. Okay. And I want to throw one at you right now, or actually Chris could do it, but he, he <laughs> told us, so I'm going to go ahead, Chris. Sorry about that. And this is from Evelyn Lee, but other people as well. With the diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, there are more conversations about culture add rather than culture fit, which is a great mm-hmm. question. And how has it changed how to market for a more diverse workforce? Well, I think we were going to talk about that a little bit more later, but it's great now too, because emphasizing the value of a wide variety of ideas is really important. So how can you change what your firm is doing from an external outreach standpoint to really improve that? And Marjan, I think that you have had in the last even couple of weeks, had a lot of really great discussions with a lot of people from different cultural backgrounds and really how the industry is addressing from, you know, helping people understand what architects do even from an elementary school level versus once they've decided that they're going to be an architect. Um, And maybe, Marjan, you can expand on that a little bit more too. Absolutely. As you know, I talked to Gabrielle Bullock a couple of months ago, who was really very articulate about this. She, of course, is head of global diversity for Perkins and Will. And she was talking about all of the things that they learned. And the first is that we need to listen. You know, it's we need to find the opportunities to actually have conversations so that we have a better understanding and then find opportunities to bring that into the culture. So it is a culture ad rather than a culture fit. And I think that there are some firms that are addressing it more easily than others. But this is also something that is so important to so many people that it will sh- it is already shifting from something that we want to do to something that we're doing, which is really important. I think, too, um, just to kind of talk to Evelyn's question a little bit more on how are you addressing it is even in your hiring a lot of times firms will go to the high end, you know, the best schools for architecture um, that are known. And a lot of times those schools don't have the most creative people, the people that can bring the biggest benefit to you and, and collaborate with you because they couldn't afford to go to those schools. So really looking at other places where you can go out and help the schools understand that you want to work with them and help whoever needs help to understand the industry to fit to begin to work themselves into the whole process of becoming an architect or whatever, if if it's the technology side of things, whatever level of contribution that they want to make, going to different schools and really talking to people and helping them and mentoring them. Mentoring is huge. Yeah. And it really does start 
at with younger children and moving up. But it's important that we aren't trying to fit our culture into that culture because it isn't that culture. It's our culture. And we need to find ways that we can learn together so that we can change the profession together. I think that's the really important thing. But you know, all firms have so many opportunities to get involved with um, colleges and universities and with high schools and, and even elementary schools. And it's a wonderful opportunity to encourage your employees and leaders to take advocacy positions, to reach out into the community and to begin talking with a broader group of people so that you can bring that into your firm. Fascinating. Thank you so much, Linda and Marjan. We're getting some more comments um, and questions. I want to, let's try to leave with one last question here. I think I might bring it in from uh, Mark LePage. Any effective strategies for hiring talent in the <laughs> short term? I'm hearing every day from members of the Entree Architect community that they cannot find help at every level, battling the COVID effect, maybe. Well, even though everybody's talking about the great resignation right now, it's not true. And there are so many people who really feel great about the firms in which they've been working, because even though we went through this pandemic, we went through it together. And there's been lots more communication. There's been lots more consideration. And there have been opportunities for people to step up without having somebody watching over everything that they do. And so just because we want to hire somebody doesn't mean that they want to leave their firms. And, you know, the only effective strategy is to make every member a marketer and to make certain that you're covering your entire base of, you know, everyone who works with you, every contractor, every consultant, every every client, you know, put the word out that you're hiring. And then, as Linda would say, make your firm the attractive target, the place where somebody would want to work, which means you need to publicize what you're doing, which is get your marketing communications act together so that people know more about who you are. Linda's much better at this than I am. You also need to think in the cloud, like we said, not every job needs to be a full-time hire. I have embedded myself many times in different types of firms, workplace projects, graphic and marketing projects. So you don't have to hire full time when you're looking at the type of people that you need. There are plenty of people out there, especially today, who are consultants with all the skills that you probably need. And they can fill in for six months, nine months, whatever. And I've had a very successful last 10 years of doing that. I think we're out of time. I'm not sure if there's yeah, one more, any more questions. Uh, we, we do, but I, I don't know if we can fit them all in. Let's try maybe a really short answer. How can firms anticipate adaptation, especially recognize or find shape or fit? So like mindset, skill set, tool sets of staff needed at different timescales in a context where maybe the client services and tools do not exist yet. So it's kind of like anticipating skill sets that maybe don't have existing demand yet. That's a great question. Learning agility is probably one of the most important skills that we can all have, as well as the ability to listen and communicate. And I can see that it's Rob Hyde who asked a question in the earlier session as well. What we really need to emphasize as one of our metrics is the ability to succeed despite unpredictable situations. And the way you can find out is to do conversations you know, to engage in conversations with people and say, did something like this ever happen to you? How did you handle it? 
There's a wonderful book called Hiring Smart. I'll put it in the chat by Dr. Pierre Mornell, which is about how to predict winners and losers in the hiring business. And I discovered it about 20 years ago, and it is literally one of the best books I've ever read. But it gives some really great situational kinds of questions that you can ask, and it also helps you understand what to listen for. Well, thank you so much, Marjan and Linda. This is amazing. Always so much more that we could discuss here, but I'm going to have to switch over to our next guest. So thank you again, Linda and Marjan and everyone for joining this session. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Chris from Monograph. Thank you so much for joining us here. At Monograph, we're building the number one practice operations platform for small to mid-sized architecture firms. More than 200 practices are using Monograph today to run the business side of architecture. You can start a free trial today or watch a live demo with our CEO, Robert Ewan. Get started at monograph.com. That's monograph.com. Talk to you soon.